going to start on part two of the Christopher Watts story. Now, we left off last time. The last thing I played was the clip from the Dr. Phil show and with Sandra Resnick, which is Shannon Watts's mother. I absolutely just, my heart breaks for this woman. I just saw her TikTok and it was at the graves of her three grandchildren, her only grandchildren, and her only daughter. And they have a beautiful memoriam up for her. Um, they have a monument in the middle and then on either side there's a bench. One says Cece, one says Bella, and then Nico. Baby Nico, actually. And it, it's just heartbreaking because she was such a public person. She was trying to promote this company, Lavelle, and she was making commission off of it. And I swear to God, I heard that girl this morning. It was about 3.30 this morning, and I've been studying her case for about a week now, maybe two weeks, every single day. Watching videos, studying the family, doing all this little intel. And I checked out the company that she worked for. Due to them suing... Um, a man that has a website, it's public record, he had stated, whenever you look up the company Lavelle, is Lavelle a pyramid scheme or a scam pops up? And it's a website. And a guy did an article on them and explained his views on it and everything. Well, a couple of his views were pretty straightforward. He believes this place is a scam. And they sued him. And they received a million dollars um, in the settlement, so they ain't going to see it, but they, they won it in the settlement. And it, it's just, you kind of have to be careful where you tread on. He tried to use the reasoning for freedom of speech, but once he put his name with a company, he said he was promoting on his website, he forfeited his freedom of speech act. And there's a lot of things I didn't know, like things like that. So you definitely have to be careful what you say. And in my case, I'm always going to say, in my opinion, this is what I think. So I'm not basing it on fact. I am saying strictly in my own opinion. And in my own opinion, there's so much more to this case than we have seen. It is imperative to get to the bottom of this so it never happens again. You see a regular father that has this beautiful family go from being a normal, working, hard-working dad to the sneaky guy that you barely recognize from the beginning of the videos to the time of the murder in the videos. And what's heart-wrenching is Shannon gets home around 2 o'clock in the morning and by 5.30, 6 o'clock the next well, couple hours later she's passed away due to the man that she loves, his hand. And even in death this girl remained beautiful. She remained dignified. And I wondered why she didn't fight back. Um, I, I have to fix that. I, I don't think that she didn't fight back. I truly think she didn't have a chance to fight back. We come to find out in the records, in the autopsy report, she did have oxycodone in her system. Now, Shannon was the type of woman that did everything the right way. She took everything for face and she wanted everyone to see 
that she was trying to live the perfect life. She wanted her family to be perfect. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. A lot of women use that in a, a terrible way. They're overbearing. It's their way or the highway. And Shannon obviously was not like that. She desperately wanted it to work with her husband. And there was a, a mutual give and take that she thought there was where he didn't. He just took and took and took. You can see she showed up to North Carolina by herself and then he shows up completely separate she left with the girls on her own and then he showed up later whether it be for work or whatever it, it's just something you notice in the videos is a severe lack of Christopher in all these videos and whenever you do see him he's very put off he doesn't look interested he looks disinterested in fact and it's quite in your face that he does not want to be there come to find out he's having a relationship with Nikki Kessinger this whole time. Now Nikki, she is the little scumbag, nasty ass harlot that came in between these two. She claims she didn't know he was married, yet she in her first email to him privately says, I want what you have with your wife and those two beautiful daughters. So she knew he was married. Not only that, but a week before the murders, she's looking up, my boyfriend I'm having an affair with promises he'll leave his wife. Now, does that sound like somebody that doesn't know their significant other is married? No, not when you use the word affair. That makes absolutely no sense. So in retrospect, this bitch has a lot more going on. A man does not give up his wife, his children, his whole life, his freedom for something or someone unless they are, the seed was planted there, put it that way. Regardless if she came out right and said, look, I don't want this family with you or I want to start fresh, whatever it may be. And the cops dug into that, but they couldn't find nothing really. This girl is smart. She's university educated. She knows her shit. She's not a dumbass. She's a geologist. And for all parts, she seemed very different than most girls her age. For one, she was on the lowdown with social media. As where Shannon would post, obviously, most days, she would go live. It was not only part of her job, but it was a joy in her life. She liked people being a part of her life. And then you have Nikki on the other hand. She's very private. She's not on social media like Shannon is. She took pictures and everything, but not like Shannon does. Shannon includes her whole family. Nikki didn't have children. She didn't have a boyfriend. Actually, she said she had an abusive ex-boyfriend that she was running from. So she had all of her mail delivered to her father's house. Meanwhile, she wasn't on social media. And if that doesn't throw up a red flag in this day and age, this was 2018. We're not talking that long ago. There was definitely something wrong in the situation. And I don't know why Chris didn't catch it, but he didn't. I fully believe this has a lot to do with sex. And as much as I don't want to talk about that, because of Shannon and out of respect for her and her parents and her brother I think it's very important to discuss it Shannon did write personal letters to her husband and in one of those personal letters she said she misses him on top of her making love to her 
Now that gives you a little insight into their sex life. We all know married couples don't have sex like they used to when they were dating. That's just how it is. Life gets in the way. Children get in the way. Work, bills, stress, time to sleep, all that. But in this case, Christopher was absolutely thirsty. That's the only way to put it. He was thirsty. And it wasn't for beverage. Now, this Nikki comes in. He starts working with her at the petroleum place. She emails the whole office. So Nikki ends up emailing the company. Christopher ends up responding back just to Nikki. Um, they start corresponding back and forth to each other. You get to see a relationship start building. I would like to meet with you. Oh, thank you for being honest with me. Lying just complicates things, he said to her. And they go from there. We find out that they met on freaking June 12th. They were emailing. You want to hear something absolutely crazy? The FBI found out that Nikki Kessinger said she just met Chris in June 2018, okay? Yet, she has an iPhone. These iPhones are amazing. They keep everything you could imagine you ever Googled on there. So how about she Googled Chris 8-3-2017. So a whole year before she even met him, she Googled his name. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't Google everyone I meet. So that... That tells you a little something else about her. Was she maybe stalking Chris? Was she maybe planning this out? She went to Chris's house two times. Twice. She ended up going into his home with him. Now there's absolutely something amazing found. Underneath Bella's bed. Whenever the cops were going around and trying to investigate, they brought a trauma dog in. Now what a trauma dog is... If there's a death, if there's a murder, if there's blood, if there's bloody fluids, body fluids, if there's any kind of fluids of humans, it picks up on these traumatic scenes. So guess where this dog goes as soon as it hits Bella's room? It goes right to her bed and goes under the bed. Now we know he tried to smother Bella and Cece once at home when they were in their beds after he woke up got ready for work he went in and smothered the girls what he thought he smothered them we find out that he didn't he did it twice so as i was saying about the police they bring this dog in and it hits under this bed of bella's so they pull out a book and a rock the police say you hear them on the video um their police footage they say it's a rock we find out it wasn't a rock at all it's a crystal a crystal now if you know anything about people that are into natural healing and crystals and stuff like that and auras and this is a major thing to them crystals mean something you can 
put a crystal to give somebody good dreams, to give somebody bad dreams, to bring good, good energy to um, come forth to them, different things like that. We find this crystal under her bed. Why would Shannon put a crystal there? She wasn't into crystals. Guess who is into crystals? Nikki. Nikki went into the house July 4th and July 14th. Now, how disgusting is that? While Shannon's with her girls, doing things with them, showing them a wonderful 4th of July, Chris takes his girlfriend into his home. Not only takes her into his home, but lets her be alone in his home while he goes and does something. She said she never went into any of the rooms, just the living room and kitchen and stuff. Yet, to get into the girls' rooms and upstairs, she knew what was in there. She said she saw Chris and Shannon's room. She saw their bed. Yeah, I'm sure she did. How much do you want to bet there's more to this bitch's story than what she's saying? She doesn't want to come across as the harlot whore. That's all. She knew this man was married. She knew that he had a pregnant wife. I guarantee it because she looked up Shannon. She looked her up. The police found that she had Googled her. She checked her Facebook. She absolutely knew they were still married. Shannon talked about it all the time. And she wasn't private. She had her account on public so everyone could see it. Nikki insisted that she didn't go upstairs without being prompted by police. They didn't ask her. She just goes, I didn't go upstairs. I didn't go upstairs ever. I, I was never upstairs. And they kind of look like, okay, we didn't say anything like that. You just kind of threw that out there. But I think it's absolutely weird and a red flag that she Googled Chris on 8-3-17 when she says she met Chris on June 20th. So she met him June 20th, and by August 13th, he annihilates his family for Nikki. He said he couldn't let go of choking Shannon. It felt like somebody had their hands on top of his, and he was watching this all happen. But he couldn't do nothing about it. That says a lot. He said he knew he couldn't let go. Because if he let go, Shannon would make sure that he never was with Nikki again. So he had to kill her. So after he kills Shannon and wraps her up in the sheet, little Bella walks in. Now, can you imagine his horror when he thinks he has killed his children and his wife and his little girl walks in? That was probably terrifying. That's where I have a problem with this story. And even the police did. They said, it really doesn't make sense that you wouldn't have killed them there. Why would you take them to the site? And we don't see those girls getting into the car. We don't see him carry them into the car like he says he did. I fully think those girls were dead beforehand. I fully think they were dead. It bothers me a lot that he got on the TV the next day. And... He pleaded for his family to return, knowing full well that they were passed away. He was never going to see them again. It just shows what kind of person he is. When the police were there, the neighbor has a video cam footage. And he brings Christopher over to explain, we have this footage and we didn't see anything. Nobody's there. And during this whole footage, 
Christopher has his hands on his on the top of his head, interlaced fingers, almost like he's waiting for the police to say, put your hands on your head. It's just one of those things you pick up on, on body language. He's ready. And if your family's missing, you would be watching that screen for every aspect, every kind of bug flicker, any kind of lights from a light. And he didn't. He was watching around, watching the police's faces, seeing what their reactions were. If they were looking at him, he'd look around. He he was not intent at looking at that footage because he already knew where they were. He knew no one was going to be caught on that footage because he was the one that took them. So there's no need to watch. He didn't put it together that, oh, this looks suspicious, me not watching for a person. So he was so nervous in that moment, I can only imagine. Plus, he said he was nervous. He didn't know how to react. He wasn't expecting Shannon's friend to come at 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, because Shannon missed her appointment. He wasn't preparing for a good friend of hers, Nicole Atkinson, to come and throw up red flags and say, hey, there's something wrong. Shannon's car's here. Her keys, her phone's here. Her flip-flops are here. Nothing makes sense. For the husband to stand there and not seem interested actually seem like it's a bother for him to watch the screen to try to see the clues if anyone came to abduct his family or not. Just When he did seem disinterested, it showed a lot about him, how he, now in retrospect, in hindsight, we can see, oh, look at this clue, his hands on top of the head. But what's neat is in real time, his neighbor that the police went over to this man's house and was looking at the footage from his uh, video surveillance camera. Chris was standing there and you get to see him respond. And that's what I'm talking about is his responses to this video. He puts his hands on top of his head and sort of what is the signal to the police, put your hands on your head type thing. He was absolutely waiting for them to just look at him and be like, all right, turn around, put your hands behind your back. It's time to go with us. Looking at all the videos now, you can see every sign of guilt popping up on him and it's just despicable now that we talked about the crystal under bella's bed um we talked about how nicole nikki kessinger was at the watts's home on two separate occasions on july 4th and on july 14th of 2018 she had absolutely every chance to go in that house she knew the specs of that house she knew how it was laid out and what's neat is she even knew the passcode of the house so it wouldn't be very hard for her to get in there and other times now i don't think she was there during this murder it's obvious from the footage nobody else came in or left they have a doorbell like a ring doorbell type thing you could see who comes into the house we see shannon come up we see her punch in her uh code and get in the house and it, it's really heartbreaking to see her because you see her little baby belly and you see this woman that's just excited and exhausted to be home she's ready just to get some sleep and start her day the next day she probably missed her girls so much and it's it's truly heartbreaking to think that 
this all took place in the matter of just a couple hours of this video of her walking on that porch. Now, what's absolutely insane and still bothering me is with this video that came out on Netflix. Um, I forget what it's called. American Monsters. I forget. But it's about Christopher Watson's Shannon. And they didn't mention Nikki at all. They never mentioned Nikki Kessinger. And I think she's a major point of this story. This would have never have happened if Nikki Kessinger did not meet Christopher Watts. And there's a story behind it in the fact that on 8-3-2017, a whole year before she said she met him, she looked him up on her phone. Like, is that not a problem for everyone? Am I just going crazy or is that a big red fucking flag? She was interested in this man. She wanted his life. She wanted his money. And then when she found, oh shit, he ain't got no money. That's, I think she took a step back, not because he was married, but because it was coming to light that he wasn't as rich as she maybe thought he was. Now, what's absolutely disgusting is the fact the Watts family, Nikki, she's fine. She's in hiding. She changed her name. The Wattses are fine. They still have Chris in jail. They get to talk to him every day. Now, what's great about Christopher being in jail, he just had his 36th birthday a couple months ago. Yeah. Welcome to jail birthdays, Christopher. This piece of shit spends 23. Now, mind you, there's only 24 hours a day. He spends 23 hours a day locked in his cell. Now, he did have pictures of Shannon and the girls in his cell. And guess what? They removed them. He has no need for their fucking pictures. You didn't want them. You threw them away like trash. You don't deserve to have their pictures. And apparently the staff thought the same way. So they took them. They ended up mailing them back to Chris's mom and dad. The piece of shit people they are. His mom is on camera and on um, the phone talking to Christopher after his sentencing. And she says, I love you, Chris. I love you no matter what you did. I love you. No, fuck that. Your son murdered your grandchildren. You're not even going to reprimand them and be like, look, I raised you better than that. I don't know what the fucking devil got into you, but it sure as hell wasn't from us. It just makes no sense how she reacts. Almost placating him, acting like it's no big deal. He just gave the dog away. That's all. Or he just wrecked mom's car. It's all right. We'll get through this. That's how her response is. And that's absolutely nothing compared to the response of Shannon's mom and dad. They are devastated. They are absolutely devastated. If it wasn't for the different organizations that Shannon's mom's been working with, such as the Lupus Foundation. She does um, St. Jude's Hospital. She does a children's hospital. She has a lot of different organizations she's trying to donate to and grow attraction to and gather money for. It's something I know she's trying to keep herself busy and trying to help people as best as she can. And she really, really does not know how much strength she's given a lot of us women because we aren't going through anything near 
that traumatic. And if she can make it and she can wake up and smile, then it really makes me feel selfish to not be able to wake up and be in a good mood or not smile. And absolutely from this story, I make sure to spend that little extra time with my boys. I have two little boys. They're not little anymore. They're 12 and 14. But in my eyes, they're always going to be my babies. And I'm sure anyone listening to this, if you have children, you feel the same way. It doesn't matter how old they are. You always picture them as your little babies and their diaper running around and learning things for the first time and how much you meant to them. And that always plays a part in your life. So as a mother coming to... I just don't even know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain how Shannon's mom does this. Aside from helping her causes and stuff, I really don't know how she's doing it. She is an absolute marvel to me. And I really don't know what else I would be able to do in that kind of situation. Because it's absolutely insane that she's going through this. It's really sad. Um, yeah, so, what's good, though, is we never have to deal with Christopher Watts being free again to hurt anybody. He's serving his life sentence, his five life sentences, at Dodge Correctional Institute, the maximum security prison in Wonpun, Wisconsin. So, it's not even near his mom and dad, it's not near friends, it's near nobody. Nobody gets to see him. He doesn't get visitors except for the FBI and police. And they're not much fucking fun. So, yeah. What's amazing is learning about the interrogation techniques of detectives. Whenever you watch interrogations, you'll notice that every detective has a different way they do things. Each detective sets the room up a little different. And it was really neat to see the interrogation of Christopher Watts. He walked in there thinking he got this. He was going to placate them and just pretend everything was okay. And he just didn't know where Shannon was. And by the end of day two, not even two full days, he was arrested and charged. And they had the bodies. So, I don't know what the fuck he did this for. It makes no sense at all. No sense. Since he's been in prison, he's since found Jesus, as many of them do. And I'm not making fun of Jesus at all. I am making fun of the fact that these people and monsters go and commit crimes and then go whenever they're stuck in their room with their Bible and that's all they have. They're like, oh, I found Jesus. Yeah, asshole. That's because he's the only fucking one that wants anything to do with you still. Absolutely. Ooh, he just gets me strange. So anyway, Nikki Kessinger, this nasty ass bitch. She challenged Chris to look up the lyrics to the song Battery by Metallica. Coincidence? I think not. I absolutely think not. Let's take a gander at the lyrics. Okay. Lashing out the action, returning a reaction. Weak are ripped and torn away hypnotizing power crushing all the cower battery is here to stay smashing through the boundaries lunacy has found me cannot stop the battery 
pounding out aggression turns into obsession. Cannot kill the battery. Cannot kill the family. Battery is found in me. Battery, battery. Crushing all deceivers, mashing non-believers, never-ending potency. Hungry violence-seeking, seeker, breeding off the weaker, breeding on insanity, smashing through the boundaries, lunacy has found me. Cannot stop the battery. And then it goes, cannot kill the family, battery has found me, battery, battery. Coincidence? Is that a coincidence that Nikki challenged him to look up the lyrics to this song? My friends, I absolutely believe not. I believe this woman is a lot smarter than people are giving her credit for. She isn't an idiot. This is a girl that graduated college, graduated with a bachelor's degree, graduated with an associate degree. She's a geologist. She's not an idiot, okay? She knew what she was doing. She got an associate of science degree from Community College of Aurora. She got her bachelor's degree in geology. She lived in Colorado and all over these different places, Denver, Aurora, like three other cities. She put, he also said that Nikki put him on a leash as soon as he met her. He was hers. So he pretty much knows that he traded everything the minute he met her. And as much as I don't want to talk about it, it does go back to sex. It absolutely does. Shannon said she missed him on top of her. So I got to assume she's more of the modest sexual partner. And I know that's kind of sad to talk about, but it plays a role in this. So excuse me for talking so bluntly about this poor woman's sex life, but it does play a part in it. I fully believe that because of how she lived, because of the person she was, I think she had a regular, and when I mean regular sex life, I mean making love sex life, not the fucking sex life. She wanted what it seems to make love to her husband. She missed him on top of her. Now that plays a key, key role because whenever Christopher was alone with Nikki, they would look at porn. She was vivacious. She wanted sex constantly in all these different places, wherever they were, she was on them. So he never had that before. He, when I say got thirsty, that's what I mean. He was thirsty and she was just the Gatorade bottle to quench it. It was absolutely disgusting that he was so willing to give up his family after only being with this woman from June, June. And then he went away for six weeks and then he killed his family August 13th. So they were together like what, two and a half weeks? And you know they weren't together every day. They were probably together like 10 days total. Seriously, 10 days. You're going to annihilate your beautiful pregnant wife and your fucking babies over some ugly, homely looking bitch for a couple scrump fests? Absolutely mortifyingly disgusting. Now, I think I covered a lot of parts about this Christopher Watts case. Um, I'll maybe get in, divulge more into it later in another time. As for right now, I'm pretty much over it. So this will be hopefully my last episode of the Christopher Watts case. I have many new cases coming up and I pray you guys just stick with me. 
I'm very new at this. I'm trying my best to get understanding how this works and everything. And I'm trying to make it as fun for you guys as possible. So we're going to have guests coming on pretty soon. We're going to have a lot of talk about things that just us girls are going to talk about. We're going to have marriage talk, family talk, kid talk, and all kinds of nasty talks about stuff that you can't really talk about. <laughs> all right. It's been a blast, and I hope you guys come back for more. Thank you.